Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Doc Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you here, learning track at Yoma, page 33. It's a really interesting page with both a very famous passage, an interesting halakhic principle, and I think that these will raise a worthy uh, religious discussion. The well-known text concerns an account of the typical mourning in the Beit HaMikdash, uh, the ancient temple in Jerusalem. Rabbinic Judaism holds, uh, as it says in any number of passages, I'll just mention one of them from Tratik Menachot, uh, one who studies the offerings, it's as if you actually offered the offerings. There's a kind of mental or intellectual substitution that comes from learning Torah that enables you to recom- you know, enables you to fulfill in some compensatory way the fact that we do not or cannot any longer offer sacrifices. In general, Rabbinic Judaism uh, has an acute sense that the way the world ought to be involves a temple in Jerusalem and animal sacrifices as the Torah commands. Uh, in fact, the Beit HaMikdash, as everyone knows, was destroyed in the, in the first Christian century, and ever since then we've had this sense of disjunction, which is to be filled in this, in this uh, intellectual substitutionary sort of way. Now, the modern person may well ask himself or herself whether or not we really would like the temple to to be rebuilt. I myself and probably most of the audience listening to this uh, broadcast or podcast uh, has no real desire that Jewish ritual should be focused on the sacred barbecue in Jerusalem, uh, the sacred incense and and, uh, animal offerings. I myself in what I suppose is a minority position uh, among my colleagues in the conservative rabbinate still think that sacrifice as a poetic motif is really strong, and so I, in my liturgy, in my prayer practice, will still recite the uh, prayers for the restoration of sacrifice, meaning by it, having clear consciousness that I mean something metaphoric by it, Um, but most people outside of the Orthodox world uh, think that that's dishonest, and so almost all uh, non-Orthodox prayer books have stricken those sacrifices from the liturgy. Uh, I personally think that's a mistake because I, I think it's giving up on the great poetic power of what it would mean to offer a gift in uh, in the temple towards God. Not not only ask to receive, but to offer a gift as well. Uh, in all events, that ain't true about Orthodox prayer books. A classical prayer book includes a passage that is on our page today. Classical Orthodox prayer book, still today and through many hundreds of years, begins the morning service with a recitation of the korbanot, the, the sacrifices that went on in the temple. And the typical prayer book, if you open it up, it will include uh, a passage on our page today, Tractate Yoma, page 33. And it goes like this, Abaye hava misader seder hama'aracha mishmadikmara va'aliba da'aba shaul. Abaye would recite the order of the morning in the temple, uh, both by tradition and according to the view of Abba Shaul. Back earlier in Tractate Yoma, there was a dispute between Abba Shaul and the other sages about whether or not 
incense came before candle lighting or lamp lighting. Uh, this version follows Abba Shaul's view, and it goes like this. The first thing the Kohen would do is Ma'aracha Gidola, Kodemet Ma'aracha Shniya Shel Kitaret. The first thing that would happen is they, the Kohen would build the big pyre on the outer altar where the animals would be sacrificed. The second thing that he would do would, would build a small pyre from which coals would be taken for incense. Next thing, he would add Shnei Gizrei Eitzim. He would add two large logs to the large pyre, adding more fuel to the fire. Next thing is Dishun Mizbeach HaPenimi. He would clear away the ashes from the incense within the Heichal, it's closer to the Holy of Holies. The next thing would be happening would be Hatavat Chamesh Nerov. would clean out five of the lamps, five of the seven lamps of the menorah. Back in the first chapter it explained why there is a five, because resolving some textual uh, discrepancies, five lamps are handled first and two will be handled later. The next thing is Dam HaTamid, the blood of the daily sacrifice, which appears to mean both the slaughtering of the sacrifice and the splashing of its blood. The next thing is Hatavat Shtenerov, then there's the other two candles. Then the next thing is the Ketorek, the incense itself, followed by Evarim, the limbs of the daily, uh, the daily uh, lamb offering were to be arranged on the pyre. Then comes the Mincha, the grain offering that accompany the animal. The Chavitin comes next, that's the, Kohen, the Kohen's own uh, uh, meal offering, the flour-based offering, which is, is cooked on a little griddle, that's why it's called a Chavitin, or pancake. The next thing is the Nisachim, the uh, wine offerings that are poured on the altar, followed by the Musafin, the specific offerings for a given Shabbat or holiday. Then the Bazichin, which are frankincense that comes with the showbread, and finally, the next thing, the next and final thing that happens is the Tamid Shel Ben Ha'arbayim. After all that comes the afternoon offering. All right, you can look that up in, in any prayer book. Now, in the course of this, uh, they try to explain why each of these things comes first or second, and they raise the, the fact that the removal of the ashes from the inner incense altar comes before the lighting of the five lamps, or the cleaning out and then the lighting of the five lamps. How come... Abayah says, listen, I'm reporting what I heard in tradition, but I absolutely have no reason, no idea why that would be the case. It'd just be kind of arbitrary. And his, his, uh, he's commonly paired with another authority, Rava, who says, well, the reason is that, in explains the, the topography of the temple, the reason is that if somebody walking into the Hechab, the first thing that they would encounter would be the inner incense altar. And so since you're standing right there, you do that first. And he cites a, he cites a principle in the name of uh, Reish Lakish, Shimon, Shimon ben Lakish, one of the other authorities, who says, Ein ma'avirin al mitzvot, never pass a mitzvah by. So the idea that Abaye, or the, that Rabbi is proposing of Abaye's account, is that in the physical posture of somebody walking into the temple, the first mitzvah opportunity that would come to him would be to clear away the incense altar. Um, so Ein ma'avirin al mitzvot, this, this is a principle that applies in any number of ways in contemporary mitzvah life. When you get an opportunity, as Rashi says, uh, as Rashi says in his commentary on this phrase, when you get an opportunity to do a mitzvah, don't let it turn sour. Rashi gives us a textual derivation uh, from, from a verse in Exodus, Ushmartem et hamatzot, keep the matzot, matzot is spelled the same way as the word mitzvot. So the homiletical exposi exposition is, Keep the mitzvot. Make sure that they are 
as well washed as matzot and uh, and not allowed to turn sour, not allowed to ferment. The common way of saying this, once a mitzvah comes your way, don't let it turn bad. So if you have an opportunity to do a couple of mitzvot, the first one that presents itself is the one you should do first, in general. Um, this has a common application in something that observing people uh, do all the time, which is that you are, that one is supposed to, you may have heard that you're supposed to put the tefillin, when you take off your tefillin, you should put the head tefillin in the bag first on the left side, and the, uh, and the, the shelyad tefillin, the tefillin that goes on the arm, you should put in the, in the right side of the bag, or whatever. It's the right side, the left side is, is arbitrary. The only reason why you're supposed to do that is to make sure that when you reach into the bag to take the tefillin, the first one that comes out is the hand tefillin, because you're going to don it first, because the Torah says that tie it on the sign as your hand uh, comes before in the phrase be a, be a jewel between your eyes. So you want to make sure that you put yourself in a position that you can do the mitzvot in the right order. Uh, maybe that's a little bit uh, obsessive compulsive, but in general that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a, an opportunity for you to do the meets both in the right order and to be as eager as possible and uh, so, something good comes along, be, be in a position to ready, you can do it right away and not have to delay. Alright, thanks for learning today's page with me and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.